this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Hi, I'm Scott Clapson, and welcome to A Million Drops. We're here on Real Good Stuff with Beowulf Jones. Hey. Hey, one of our newest volunteers, yeah? That's right. Very excited. Yeah, you showed up at uh, our five-year anniversary event and said, I'm a storyteller. How can I get involved? And we had been looking for one. Well, I showed up, and then they immediately <laughs> put me to manual labor. I was moving trees. Oh, really? Yeah. You remember the whole Christmas setup? Yeah. There was the, like 18 trees. Yeah, the whole I forest. I carried Micah each did. and every yeah. one of those. You did? Oh, mm-hmm. really? So you didn't like... You didn't show up to this event intending to volunteer. Oh, I did, oh, but okay. I think that was my audition. Like, <laughs> if we can, well, if we can get him to do hard labor for two hours, then maybe we'll listen to what he has to offer. If we can get him to move the the forest that we moved in just for the evening, mm-hmm. <laughs> and to the listeners at home, I'm I'm talking about real trees, <laughs> trees that are larger than me, a, a six foot human. Yeah, it was kind of amazing, though. Yeah, it looked great at the end. Yeah, it felt like Christmas in there. I didn't know you moved. Well, thank you for helping. That's amazing. It takes a village. Yeah, so you've been volunteering with a million drops for a while. Well, that's cool. Your real passion is storytelling, yeah? Uh, That's one of my passions, yeah. One of your passions. What are some of your other passions? Oh, I'm a musician. I write. I love... All right, if I can just have one passion, it would probably be my comic books. Really? Okay. Yeah, I um, I love the X-Men. One thing I do as a coping mechanism, <laughs> I have an Instagram account that's exclusively dedicated to my X-Men comic books. Speaking of which, you're all over Facebook. I'm surprised you're not on Instagram. You could. Uh... I am, but I don't know how to work it very well. I'm oh, a different okay. generation. I didn't either, but I was working <laughs> at Nerdist, and I had one of the 20-year-old interns explain it to me. Okay. And it's been great. She also explained to me Snapchat, but I wasn't smart enough to catch. Oh, I, I can kind of figure out Snapchat. I've used that more for some reason. Oh, okay. Well, then you're more yeah. accomplished. I think yeah. Snapchat is way harder than IG. Uh, yeah. But yeah, anyway. So, IG. Um, I have uh, the entire 17-year run of uh, Chris Claremont's uh, writing The X-Men. And so okay. once a day, I'll take one issue and just recap it on Instagram. And it's a very small account. It doesn't get many followers, but I just do it because it makes me happy. And it's another way I can connect to my comic books. Oh yeah, my Facebook is just totally for me. I feel like it's a personal blog. And if other people are like, whatever about it, that's great. I find so many things that like I find mm-hmm. interesting that like I wanna put somewhere. So that's cool. I actually want to start an Instagram account for this thing I do called Laundromat Lonely Sock Club. Do it. Yeah. I used to work in a laundromat and we'd find like lonely socks that were really colorful. (laughs) And I was like, I feel really lonely here on like a Friday night, like cleaning the laundromat. And I'd find like socks by themselves. And I was like, I wonder if they have the same feelings about being like left here at the laundromat on a Friday alone like I do. Yeah. So I started snapping pictures and doing portraits. Mm, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Socks Club band. (laughs) Right? This is another reason why you're here is because you're humorous. And Micah and I loved that about you. I went to the turtle, right? You've been to two of them, two I've in a row. Two. I've laughed so hard. I thought you guys were going to kick me out. Oh, no. We like it when people <laughs> laugh. It's a comedy venue. We I encourage know, laughter. I was, I was laughing so loud. I was like... Uh, should my voice not be so loud? But no, it's hysterical. It's at the Ruby, and it's uh, the first Friday of every month. Yeah, and you you organize these storytellers to come, or they seem yeah. like they were comedians too, right? Yeah, they are comedians. I do various storytelling shows, but Turtle is special to me because. Most of my friends are performers, which means I never get to see them unless we're on the same show. So I figured I'll just start a show and book my friends. That way I can hang out with them. And how long have you been doing that? It's been about a year. Okay. And when I first started Turtle, I said it was just going to be a special 12-show series, and then I was going to end it. But I'm having so much fun with it. I'm thinking of continuing. I keep coming. We had so much fun. Micah's coming to the next one. Oh, well, I better be good then. Well, because... I think I've been like laughing so hard about it. Like I'm still like, <laughs> there's some hard stuff that gets talked about at those. Mm-hmm. And 
it's so funny. Like the first time when you got up, when I heard you and I didn't know what to expect. You know, I've been to storytelling things before, not too many of them, but you made depression so hysterical. (laughs) You did. And I identified with it so much and identified with the feeling in the room. And I don't know, maybe you, maybe you can feel that energy in the room, but I felt the energy in the room changed. Like with each joke that you told and each way that you humanized the experience and like brought us in with you and was just like, Hey, I'm just like you. And like, you could just feel people going, Oh, I feel that too. Oh, I can relate to that. Oh, I can. But things that we don't talk about because it's hard because people get scared of like someone being sad or someone not doing what Luckily, I don't care world. about that at all. <laughs> I know you don't, but you made it funny. And that's where I connected with it. Have it been someone who's gone through difficult things? And and I don't know. I think I'm funny. I don't know if everyone else thinks I'm You're funny. You're funny. But yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I like to laugh, I think, is more what I like to do. They go hand in hand. <laughs> There's definitely hand. a Venn diagram okay. there. <laughs> well, no, that's uh, part of the beauty of the craft of storytelling. Yeah. Like, um, you know, for example... Like, as you mentioned, a lot of my friends who do the show are comedians, but unlike stand-up, with storytelling, you don't need that Jerry Seinfeld rhythm of a big laugh every 7 to 11 seconds. You know, you can go with sections without laughter where you just get real dark and raw. People who enjoy storytelling, the audiences, I, I feel they respond to that. One thing I always tell my students is that if you're telling an intense story on stage and you see the audience members leaning forward and storytelling that's just as good as a laugh really it shows that they're engaged and they find what you're saying compelling if they lean forward if if they lean forward you know you can kind of tell that they've got that scrutinizing look on their face that means you're doing the work well i have a thing when i'm telling stories where i i do that i lean forward to like to emphasize something i don't know i didn't realize i did it and then oh i'm talking about the uh, the audience i know but like i related to that because i do the same thing i'm like when i really want to engage people i lean in towards them so i don't know if that's like a body language thing maybe no maybe you're just showing you unconsciously understand the thing i just explained Possibly, possibly. So you just mentioned that you uh, teach storytelling, right? Mm -hmm. How long have you been teaching other people? About seven years now. I teach at the Ruby. That's a six-week class that's my own curriculum. I teach for the Story Studio, which is their curriculum. It's a great curriculum, too. And I've added my own little touches here and there. And I do a lot of private coaching. And I mentor fifth graders in storytelling. uh, That's cool. Oh, it's so much fun. (laughs) One of the fifth graders just yesterday said, because it was the start of a new semester, Mm -hmm. she said, so is this the kind of thing where it's really scary, but then once we do it, we want to do it over and over? And I was like, yes, that is the best way to put it. That is exactly how you're going to feel at the end of this experience. I think I love that Facebook post when you posted that. Oh, you you probably (laughs) did. Because I Oh, I I forgot I did post that, didn't I? Yeah, I agree. Well, we were just talking about uh, before this podcast uh, the performance that I had today with Mm -hmm. Urban Voices Project down at the Biltmore. And that's a big thing for me. I love to sing. I've been singing forever. But I have terrible stage fright and I get so nervous. Mm -hmm. Give me like a subject like social justice or activism to talk about. I'm great. Mm -hmm. But you put me up and I've got to put my creativity. Oh, my gosh. I freak out and I like want to run and hide. Well, that's that's just normal. I mean, is that normal? It's totally normal. Um, I remember the first thing I was always too scared to do theater uh, when I was growing up. Fear was holding me back. Um, I played in a lot of bands. I was one of those guys who wore all black and listened exclusively to the Velvet Underground. And um, (laughs) and and I would pretend that I was too cool for school when it came to theater. But the fact is, I really wanted to do it. And I, I needed somebody to be like, yeah, you can do it. You have what it takes. But nobody said that when I finally did start performing on stage it was uh, improv and um, this was in Ohio and we were interested in learning the Herald which is an advanced improv form so we had a coach from Chicago we paid the coach to come in and he was giving us feedback and I didn't realize I was doing this but every time I was on stage I was literally shaking like I couldn't stand still because I was so nervous yeah and at one point the coach pointed at me and he goes What's, what's with that guy? Why is he shaking? And someone else in the group just went, oh, he does that. <laughs> Stage fright is something you have to work through. Okay. And the only way, you know, there ain't nothing to it but to do it. Yeah, no, totally. Well, yeah, I, I have a habit of um, practicing a little bit before we start a podcast. 
my nerves, I guess. And <laughs> we just like you were like, let's press record, and I was like, all right, Beowulf, we're gonna go with it. Um, so thank you, thank you for helping me embrace the creativity and have a little confidence in the process. Sure. Uh, I'm glad that was the result. I think it was just the <laughs> producer side of me that was like, well, what if we get gold? You better hit record. <laughs> what if we get gold? Well, cause it's happened before and I've been like, Oh crap. Um, so, I mean, it just really depends. So what made you become a storyteller? Like what inspired you to realize, like I've got something to say and I want to get up in front of people. Um, my friend, Kevin, he, uh, did a show in New York it was a storytelling show, and it, the theater that he did it at at the time, uh, the People's Improv Theater, I was one of their uh, main texts. I would do lights and sound for the shows, and um, I was his regular tech for this show, and uh, one day he just said, um, you know, do you have any stories? And I didn't. I'd never done storytelling before, but I thought, yeah, I bet I could come up with something, and... Um, I did it, and I had beginner's luck. Um, it went so well. The place was packed, and I was uh, rehearsed and ready to go. I couldn't have asked for a better first experience. And I know I had beginner's luck because there was um, a famous comedian who was doing the show the next month who watched this uh, just to see what the show was like. And she came up to me afterwards, and when I told her that was the first time I'd done it, she was just like, I assumed you were an old pro. And uh, then she goes, but it's just beginner's luck. I've seen that. And it was beginner's luck because, like, the next storytelling show I did, I tanked. I, I think, like, the next few I did, I tanked. But, you know, I stuck with it. And um, it really opened up uh, a side of me I didn't know I had. After that first storytelling show, it kind of felt like a before and after moment. Um in terms of me personally, I mean, I know me telling stories isn't that big of a stake to the rest of the world, but in my uh, own life and the direction I went in my life, it felt like a before and after moment. I think it's a pretty big stake. You've definitely made an impression on Josh and Craig and I and the folks that have gone to Turtle. Oh, you know um, what story I told that first night? What? The one that you just heard me tell uh, at the last Turtle. I, I oh, really? Have, yeah, I haven't told that story in like, Five years. Uh, oh, and that was the what the very first time that you told that was the night. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So, hmm. wow. So that was the first story I've told, and the last time I've told a story. <laughs> <laughs> if I die right now, my career no. will be bookended by that story. Oh my goodness! Then we're gonna have to look for another storyteller. Oh, that's I can, morbid. I can make some recommendations. You can make some recommendations. Well, you might want to leave those those contacts before you go. And no, I'm just kidding. Sure. No. Um, you just you do it so well and you Thank connect you. to people and I noticed that too as I'll keep going back to Turtle because there were so many things as a community organizer that I noticed that you do at Turtle you go out into the audience and you shake people's hands <laughs> like before you even like go like hey I'm Beowulf Jones like you go out and you like call people by their name that you know you introduce yourself to people basically that you don't know and it's a really intimate show and it just like it really like makes a cohesive like group before we even start. That's I'm glad to hear you say that. I do it I, I do that because I enjoy it. Um some of my friends have expressed to me that they think it's corny. Um and I guess I can see their point of view, but no, I, I have fun doing it. So, well, thank <laughs> to you, Scotty. friends. No, no, Scotty says it's a community organizing thing, and it's great. <laughs> He's introducing everybody to each other in the room before you start, and it's so appropriate because do you know why it's important? Why? Okay, take a deep breath. It's important because for so long, and it's interesting that this is the next question that I was mm -hmm. going to ask you. Storytelling is a way that history has been passed down for so many cultures for so many thousands mm -hmm. of years. Andrew, the administrator at the church who helped us set up this new space today, which is beautiful. Thank you, Andrew. He's been on a podcast before. Thank you, Andal Piles from me. You're so great for helping us get this room today. Shout out to Andrew. Yes. Um, we were talking about that today. Um, just about how like oral traditions are so ingrained in history storytelling is now becoming a thing that's popping up all over. But one of the things that happens with storytelling is, especially in that history is the folks would know each other and you create that space that 
you let everybody kind of know who's in the room as we're going in to talk about these really difficult topics, because some of the stuff that I've heard at Turtle is really hard mm-hmm. and you don't like, I don't realize until after I'm like, Oh my gosh, thank you for making me laugh about that. Cause you talked about some really difficult things. Um, so how is storytelling a tool for connecting people today? Um, well, I think you already described it pretty well. It's, uh, there's a lot of things that are difficult to talk about. Now, not all storytelling is emotionally loaded. Uh, that's the type it's of not? <laughs> that's the type of storytelling I'm into. That's the type of storytelling I'm interested that's the in type hearing. Of storytelling I'm into. It, it is. That's if, great. I mean, if there's really big stakes, yeah. then that's what I would rather hear than the story of oh, you know, I grew up with my grandmother and she taught me how to bake pies. I mean. That's a that's not a story I would pay money to at a show to hear. Um, that's a hypothetical story. No one's tried telling that. To <laughs> no me. one's no one's based their storytelling night off of that. They, they well they we're should. sorry yeah we're sorry if you have. <laughs> um, but uh, you know expressing mm-hmm. uh, difficult truths, uh, having a platform to uh, you know express things that people don't like to talk about, but uh, they can. It's important that those issues are raised. That's why um, I uh, really love uh, storytelling because it, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It promotes so many different point of views that mm-hmm. um, one may not hear regularly. Right. Um, and uh, that's, and another thing that's great about storytelling, I mean, it's anyone can do it. It, it applies to all walks of life. And so, um, it can be a really eye-opening experience. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You said the perfect thing. Like perspectives. Mm-hmm. It gives a whole new perspective and understanding because sometimes we get so caught in our own experience or what's happening around us or what's happening in our group of friends or a church mm-hmm. or a school or whatever group that we're in. We forget that there are people having totally different experiences than we're having, but they're still people and they're still mm-hmm. human beings and they still have feelings like we have, but their experiences and moving through this world are completely different. Sure. And there's also people who they're completely different on stage and off stage, where off stage, you know, this is just an example. Uh, off stage, someone might be the most, you know, uh, joyful, fun loving person there is, but on stage, you know, they'll reveal like the true depths of their depression or something. And it's right. like, if, if, you know, if I didn't know you outside of a storytelling context, I would never know that about you and I wouldn't understand you as well as I do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Everybody knows that about me. <laughs> <laughs> but again, that's another thing that I've, as I've like embraced my own, like, you know, all the things that have been said to me over the years about why are your emotions so big and what's going on with you? And I mean, that can be tied to a lot of things, but I know that humor has helped me. I know that vulnerabilities helped me as well. And that's something that Micah has really with a million drops has helped me with is Mm -hmm. embracing that creativity and that thing. Brene Brown talks about it, that vulnerability being the birth place of innovation, creativity and change. And I've certainly seen that in my life in this last year and a half. It's like, I thought I'd been through some hard things already. And it was like, Whoa, this is really, and I'm an activist. This is what Mm -hmm. I do. And I work, you know, to raise awareness about how we interact with people who are unhoused and the stigma, not just around that, but around mental health and so many different things. And just the perspective of, someone being able to tell their story as well and get up in front and be heard and open up, like you said about that in a culture where, I mean, just now are we making it okay to talk about it? But for Mm -hmm. a long time it was like, I mean, I still get that a lot from family and friends like, Oh, just be positive. And it's like, (laughs) well, yeah, I have, I have really good days, but then some days are really hard and I can't explain why. And I don't know if it's a chemical imbalance. I don't know what it is. I think it's PTSD and trauma and, certain things trigger me, but that's, those are real experiences for people mm-hmm. and giving people a place to not only be able to tell that, but be able to hear that and know that they're not alone, but be able to laugh at it at the same time mm-hmm. and identify and be like, Oh wow. Okay, cool. And go home and be like cracking up about it and be like, Oh wow. I don't feel so bad about feeling trapped in my apartment or, you know, sure. One, uh, 
and I don't want to confuse anyone, by no means am I comparing myself to this person. That would be like comparing an ant to a god. But um, one thing that I learned from watching Richard Pryor is that so much of the stuff that he says it's hysterical, but if he were to say it any other way, that there would be nothing funny about it at all. Right. Um, I, as a, a master class on the craft, I kind of recommend uh, Richard Pryor live on the Sunset Strip. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I know uh, many Pryor fans consider his previous live movie to be uh, the gold star, but um, I... Uh, I think uh, the end where he tells the story about setting himself on fire and being in the hospital and just uh, the vulnerability he, he displays, it's, I mean, it's the best thing I've ever seen on camera of yeah. mastery of craft. Yeah. <laughs> Richard Pryor, live on the Sunset Strip? Mm-hmm. I okay. believe it came out in 1983. Okay, I'll have to look it up. I was just, I was like nine, so I probably wasn't watching Richard Pryor. I was not watching <laughs> Richard Pryor then either. But we'll have to look that up. So, well, that's, it's like you knew these questions. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's a good thing, because you brought that up too about your first, I wanted to go back to that really quick, your first time telling a story. You practiced, right? I did. And I think that's key, just like with music or just like any kind of art or any kind of creativity People practice and they hone their craft and you practiced whether or not you've been in front of an audience before. Um, but I think that goes, you know, I didn't just wake up one day and go, oh, I'm going to, I mean, I was practicing interviewing people when I was a kid, but you're very good at it. It wasn't until someone put a microphone in my hand and said, here, try this. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is so like weird. Cause I can hear, you know, and you don't realize cause people get nervous when they can hear their voice Yeah, and they get paused and they go, I mean, obviously you've probably been on microphones before you've been on TV before. Yeah. I have been on TV. Yeah. What have you been on? Can you say that? Um, I've been on <laughs> like channel 500 of a 501, uh, cable box. Now I've, well, I have, um, I've, uh, been on MTV. Uh, I've been on general hospital. Which, you, oh, wow. Huh? Not be Okay. Not because Were you the dead body. Uh, no, no, I, the dead body, please. They could never get me for that. Um, and I, I want to get back to general hospital because I love that show so much. Um, it's ridiculous, but I love, it's like comic books. I grew right. up with it yeah. and it was so surreal just being on the set. Like, uh, I remember the very first day I ever went, um, I was asking a security guard, where's the set? And he pointed and I walked up to a door and it said like emergency entrance only. And I said, that's for emergency only. What should I do? And he looked at me like I was the village idiot and like, uh, you know, beckoned me to come over to where he was. And then he pointed and I was like, oh, that's the actual hospital set. So it says emergency only because that's where, you know, if this was a real hospital, then that's where the ambulance would take like the patients. Uh, but for <laughs> since it's not a real hospital, that's just the entrance to the building. Since we're not at Sinai, we're just on a movie set. <laughs> See, and that's the thing. When you tell these jokes and these stories, you're so deadpan about it. And I think that's what makes it funnier. Oh, well, thank you. Well, yeah, because like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, because things like that have certainly happened to me before. And you just like, I don't know what, why do you love? I mean, you said because it's kind of ridiculous and silly. What did you do on General Hospital? Like, oh, um, I have, <laughs> I suppose uh, my most famous role on General Hospital was probably guy in jury box that the character of Scotty Baldwin freaks out on. Oh, I don't even know what you're talking about, but okay. Yeah, if you watch General <laughs> Hospital, you know what that ta uh, what that means. I'll have um, to Google it. Yeah, it's and uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't on it because uh, I'm a great actor or I deserved it or due to merit. The only reason I was on it was because. Um, I uh, worked for some friends of mine because uh, I believed in their theater troupe, but they couldn't afford to pay me. Uh, so one of the girls, her mom was the casting director and she was like, mom, I don't, I don't care what you have to do. Just do something and, and get him a paycheck. And um, so in Hollywood, it's all about who you know. And I knew this person's mom. 
Wow, huh? And you ended up on General Hospital. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Maybe you could get a recurring role. I would love that. I'm probably not a good... I'm a good enough actor to be a recurring role on a soap opera. I think you could. But I don't have the soap opera look. Um, Oh, you don't need the soap opera look. This is debatable for a soap opera. This is 2019. Okay, I'll take the note. Um, <laughs> one you don't thing, need the soap opera look for General Hospital. Thank you. That's that makes me feel so Daytime much better. TV. <laughs> as soon as I get a recurring role, I'll uh, you know get you on board. Too. And I'll buy a TV. <laughs> or you can just watch one in the green room. They have them. Um, I wanted to get back to one thing you were saying. Though. Sure. You were asking me about my first story. Um, and you said I, uh, you referenced me rehearsing and whatnot. And yes, I, I did rehearse it. I rehearsed it till it was very tight. And I wrote that story down to the letter and I memorized it word for word because I was new to the process. So that's what worked best for me at the right. time. But um, my friend Kevin uh, encouraged me to rely, after I'd told a few stories, um, to rely less on memorizing it word for word and to just keep things conversational. And uh, that's what, for me, I feel works best. Um, I'll just have a few bullet points and uh, the rest. I know where I want to start. I know where I want to end up. But if I just sort of improvise over the bullet points, um, it, it, it just makes it more of a conversation with the audience. Yeah, I'm definitely a fan of that. And I agree. I think it's, yeah, when I've been up in front of people, it's better when I have bullet points rather than trying to, because then you stumble over. That wasn't the word that I meant to use, but you know what you're talking about, but you need like a roadmap, basically. Sure. Yeah. Usually in my storytelling classes, when, uh, you know, people pitch stories, I'll have them do a stumble through of their story before they feel they're ready to perform it. And um, I always explain to them, you may feel unprepared, but it's your story. You lived it. You know it better than you may think you do. And um, they're always able to do it. Yeah. Say that one more time. It's your story. What what did you just say? Oh, uh, I was referring to someone um, in my classes. Like, you know, the end result of the class is obviously to tell this story. But very early on in the class, once they recognize what story they wish to tell, um, I make them do a stumble through uh, before they feel they're ready to tell the story and uh, because they feel that they haven't had a chance to rehearse or prep or anything. Um, But I always tell them that, you know, you lived this. This is your story. So you know it better then you, like, if, it's not like you have to prepare a Shakespeare monologue. Right. You already know the content. Yeah. And um, they always end up delivering. Yeah. I think that's so powerful. I think people, again, yeah. Again, maybe it's that vulnerability thing. Maybe it makes people uncomfortable. Um, one of the things that helps people is humor. Why do you think that humor and laughter is so important or seems to be so important to storytelling and connecting well i think humor and laughter is great i i don't know that it's mandatory for the craft you don't think it's mandatory right i mean i do think it is for stand-up comedy um but for storytelling um some of my favorite stories are very serious very dark stories with absolutely no jokes whatsoever storytelling the purpose of storytelling isn't to tell jokes it's to tell truths which Technically, you could say that about stand-up, too, but then people always in stand-up have, you know, they just make up scenarios that never happened where you couldn't do that in storytelling. In storytelling, um, uh, you always need to let the truth be your guide because yeah. uh, nothing is more important to an audience uh, than the authenticity of the reliability of the narrator. Wow. I like that word, too. You're very well spoken as well. I think that. <laughs> well, I think that no. I just think again. Like well, I am those, partially the, educated. Partially educated. Well, so am I. I don't <laughs> actually have degrees, but yeah, I have neither. lots of years of school. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we were preparing for this, you asked me if anybody had ever interviewed me. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. Have they? Uh, I actually that was one of the ways that I got started with this. I was asked to be on a podcast after they put me on a microphone at a nonprofit in my hometown mm-hmm. a few years ago. Like I think it was like 20, like 15 or something. Um, and I was super nervous. 
And I just had to ask some people questions and they were like, wow, you really got them to open up. And I was like, well, it's eye contact and how you, you know, how you <laughs> talk to people. Um, and so they put me on a podcast and we had fun and they were like, would you like to do a show going around talking to people that are volunteering in the community? And it morphed like we did like an LGBTQ spotlight mm-hmm. one. We did one on healthcare. We did an interfaith one. Um, we did one on uh, ha- highlighting Habitat for Humanity there. Uh, it was really cool to just see, like, once we got going, and it was a small community, but once we got going, having people understand what we were doing and then be like, hey, I would like to be on. Can I be on? I've got something I want to talk about, mm-hmm. about something in the community that we're doing that's really cool, and I want to let people know. And we had a lot of stuff going on, and so it was really it was a good way with a large retirement community and younger folks and stuff because you had multiple ways that people could access, you mm-hmm. know, and they could, um, if they couldn't make it to a meeting they could also like, you know, if someone really cool would come to town, I would try and like tap them and be like, Hey, can you do a podcast with me? Because some people may not be able to make it because they have kids or different things like mm-hmm. that. And how can we get them to be able to hear kind of the discourse that we're creating in the community? So, um, yeah, do you have, like, did you actually write questions or? Yeah, let's do a lightning round. Um, <laughs> a lightning round? Is this yeah. like $25,000 pyramid? <laughs> I don't have that much money. You don't have that um, much money? 25-cent pyramid? That I can handle. Okay. <laughs> um, but I don't have a quarter on me. You'll have to, I'll, I'll, have I'll to get it to you, you. next okay. time. Yeah, okay. I'm good for it, I promise. I can quarter. I can pay you back in five weekly installments if, of a nickel. Well, I, don't, I can't guarantee that I could do the same, nope. but that's okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> Um, what's your first memory of being affected by art? My first memory of being affected by art, listening to opera as a kid in front of PBS. How old were you? I was about five. Okay. Um, what, what are some of your recollections? What did it do for you? Gosh, I remember liking the feeling of being there in front of the television by myself Mm -hmm. in a space where other people usually were, but I was getting to do what I wanted that, I felt like nobody else understood. You know, I didn't know what language they were speaking, but mm-hmm. it felt it felt unique and special to me. And I felt like a unique and special weird little kid. So it felt like a natural it thing for me to familiar. do. And I love opera. Yeah. Oh, it felt, felt super familiar. I come from an opera family, so. Okay. Um, opera or not, who's your favorite singer? Oh, gosh. That's really hard. I've been listening to a lot of Aretha Franklin lately. She's good. She's really good. She's a better singer than I am. <laughs> She's a better singer than most everybody. Mm-hmm. I love Whitney Houston. Um, yeah, I don't know. I um, I love a lot of. I love. I just love. I love music. What's your favorite movie? It's a tie between Pretty Woman and Selena. Yeah, it's a tie between Pretty Woman and Selena. If you had a million dollars and you could only spend it on one thing, what would it be? Housing people. Um, if you could do anything with your life artistically, what would you do? I would love to write books and do like audio, like books around different topics and include folks like collaborative audiobooks. I would love that. What's an early memory of someone doing a kindness for you? I remember someone taking me out, I think it was Valentine's Day, and I was little kid. I mean, I was little. And again, I felt really othered, you know, for a lot of reasons. And it was, I think she was like, maybe like the Sunday school teacher or something. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to take me out for an ice cream. And it wasn't something that she ordinarily did. This wasn't something that she was like picking kids out in like a line. This was just something random that she did. And she happened to be our neighborhood. And... I just remember that sticking out to me as a little kid who always felt like I always felt like I was overlooked because I was different, Mm -hmm. you know, like I was, I was special, but I was different. And so it was like, Oh, here's like an adult that wants to spend time with me and gets that like, you know, I'm relating more to the adults than I am to the kids. I always was, you know, hanging out under the adults table, listening to them rather than, people my own age and I always felt that they had more interesting things to say. I mean I grew up in a retirement town with fifty percent older a, people. So I'm retirement used retirement to, town? Yeah, on the southern Oregon coast. So I'm used to all of our neighbors were older. So I was always around 
I had all these adopted grandparents everywhere. I worked in a senior center for three years as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I have a lot of experience being around our elders. Okay, so. last question of this lightning yes. round. What's lightning your round. best experience being in nature? <sighs> My best experience being in nature... I love the ocean and the redwoods. And I think that just that, that combination of the trees and the ocean and that, that feeling of like the two different like places and the ocean breeze. And yeah, I love the ocean. I always have. All right. And that completes the lightning round. The lightning round. Okay, cool. You won. Congrats. I won. Congratulations. Oh my gosh. 25 cents. Mm -hmm. This is amazing. So I want to ask you, Beowulf, what's the most powerful story you have ever heard or you've ever told? Um, I'm reluctant to name a most powerful story I've ever heard, but a very, very powerful story that um, I often make my... If I'm in my six-week class, uh, I'll often... Uh, show a video of it um, to my students just to uh, display um, just how deep you can go into storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was up to me, I would have liked the performer to have unpacked it even more, but I recognize that it's not the performer's fault. He had strict guidelines, especially in accordance to time, right. that he had to maintain. Um, but you can find the performer's name is Anthony Griffiths. Okay. Um, you can find it on YouTube. He performed it at the Moth, and um, I believe the search you would need to do is Anthony Griffiths, the best of times, the worst of times. Okay. And I'm not even going to tell you what the story is about. Uh, I will say you will probably need Kleenex. Really? Yeah, it's um, it's it's a powerful one. It's a powerful one, okay. And what's his name again? Anthony Griffiths. Anthony he, Griffiths, um, okay. I think he lives in the area. I've actually uh-huh. tried contacting him on Facebook to get him to do one of my... Sh- I don't know. I guess he's not into it. I guess he's not into it. Or maybe he doesn't Anthony, have Anthony, if you're Messenger. listening to this, I would yes. love to put you on Turtle. Anthony Griffiths, if you by chance know this, <laughs> I mean, it's this this whole thing too is about building social networks. We're learning that. I'm talking with another um, person that I know um, soon about building social networks. Oh, cool. And I found that that's so, I didn't even realize that that was part of this. So at least this leads me into my next question. Um, you're... Volunteering, I think we've we're looking at Thursday nights, right? It's kind mm-hmm. of the the time that we're aiming for right now. Um, why do you want to give your time, talents, and energy to help people who are unhoused, like hone or develop or tell their stories? Uh, because people who are unhoused, by and large, their stories I don't feel are being told. Um, and uh, I remember I uh, I ran into a friend of mine um, from A Million Drops on the street who was uh, having a particularly bad day. And um, I can't remember what led to this answer, but uh, he said regarding, you know, people, uh, I've been out on the street however long and they don't care, they don't see us. And when I heard that, that went right through me because I knew by and large it was true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I care, Micah cares, but like it's if main, if mass society isn't willing to meet you halfway to hear your stories, mm-hmm. then I think you need to take your stories to them because mm-hmm. um, it's, it's important. So people learn um, because if there's someone from a walk of life, I, I've found uh, in my experience uh, with people I've known, if you know there's if if there's fear or if there's a prejudice uh, against someone from any walk of life, all it takes to break down that fear or prejudice is just getting to know somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that strikes me about people who are unhoused that can apply to anyone. Um, in any country. Right. Um, 
and it's so many different points of view. Like, I, I believe anyone without a home, there would be many commonalities during their day-to-day -day experience, but say the perspective of a gay white male without a home uh, is going to be different than a black straight woman mm -hmm. without a home. And so there's, there's just so many details of this uh, of, of these experiences that will blow people's minds because they just haven't you know taken the time to look yeah. um so i think it's important that that people are educated and um i'm very much looking forward to uh i believe the end result is um I'm not sure if I'm supposed to reveal this. You oh, can, yes, you can reveal it, because I've been wanting to do this for a while. You tell him, Beowulf. Oh, well, no, no, no. I mean, I'm not sure if uh, <laughs> Micah's ready to announce this. Oh, yes. We're announce it. Go ahead. Oh, um, wasn't the deal to do uh, quarterly uh, yes. charity uh, performances? Yes, we'd uh, love to do that, where we invite people to have a meal and mm -hmm. hear people share their stories and yeah, the start with of the experience of being unhoused. But I'd love to go into, like, mental health and... You know, I'm sure um, there's a huge crossover. Sort, yeah, all sorts of different things where that would intersect. Because, like you just said, that's the point where there's so many intersections of this, and so many people. I was just talking to someone today at the after the performance. The one of the biggest things people ask is, "What did you do?" Mm -hmm. What do you mean? What did I do? Like. There's a number of people that I know that have jobs. There's a number of people that I know that work. Mm -hmm. Some of the people that I know work more than one job and they still don't have permanent housing. Mm -hmm. That's why I feel like homeless is such a, a misnomer. It's, it's putting everybody in a box, mm -hmm. kind of like what we do so often with the labels that we give, which is part of how we identify each other. I get that. But also at the same time, it does so much to stigmatize people because it puts us all into one situation and therefore offering like a cookie cutter solution. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love Micah so much because she doesn't approach it in that way. Mm -hmm. She listens to people's stories. She listens to what they love. And then she connects them to that. And she's connected so many people to so many beautiful, wonderful things that it's inspired me. I told her that I wanted to start doing podcasts again, that I was doing podcasts back home. And I was really into that. And I didn't know how to get started again. And I was feeling really down and really out and depressed. And But now here you are with and here two I mics am and a with, rolling. <laughs> right? And thank you, DJ Cherish the Love, Cynthia, for uh, for helping us with this, Micah's friend. And it is uh, really about social networks because she talked to Cynthia, who happened to be in town. They said, stop by a million drops. The center had just opened. Um, I happened to go here to Hollywood Adventist Church as well. And um, just relationship building and connecting with people and I'm really excited because I love what could happen once we introduce food as well <laughs> when you have people eating and I love that you laughed but it's true I'm Italian uh you introduce food yeah, what food are we talking oh I don't even know yet but I think I think um the opportunities because I also don't envision these being huge gatherings I envision them being more intimate where you have like a table of people that can talk and a room of people that can see each other's faces. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause for me, that's so in anthropology and the stuff that I've studied, that's so powerful. We're so on our devices and on our computers so much of the time that when we can talk face to face, there's such a power in that because we don't do that. Mm -hmm. And, but that's how we've communicated for so long. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited that you showed up in me December. Too. I'm excited to take your class on Thursday nights. Me too. I'm excited to work on, so many things with you, you, and I'm excited for Turtle. Oh my gosh, like, <laughs> you don't understand. That is so. I have not laughed as hard at anything in so 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 long. I was thinking about that today as we were, as I was preparing for this and thinking about talking to you, like what you know what we talk about, and not just you, the other people that you have there. Like I was just cracking up still like thinking about myself going oh my gosh i haven't laughed out loud like that like when you're hanging out with friends or whatever and you're telling jokes that's one thing but like when you're going to something mm -hmm. you know for entertainment purposes and giving up your time and um yeah thank you because you have no idea how healing that's been for oh me. that that feels wonderful yeah. to hear so since you're teaching a class and obviously you do teach do you believe that anybody can be a storyteller oh yeah yeah anybody anybody at all anyone i mean 
you don't um okay something like i don't know let's say you want to be a dancer right um or let's say i want to be a dancer because i do i i would love to be a dancer i just don't really oh my god yeah i just don't have that gazelle like grace um so it doesn't matter how hard i can learn i can learn i'm no one's martha, casting me in swan lake martha graham didn't have it do you know about martha graham i i don't know who martha graham is oh my gosh we're gonna have to talk oh my gosh we're gonna totally have to talk about her at some point and yeah oh my gosh you could be a dancer mm-hmm. beowulf's gonna be a dancer <laughs> okay i'll be a dancer <laughs> um but for the sake of me making this argument let's pretend that i can't be a dancer okay. oh dang okay um, but i do appreciate the positive reinforcement um what makes storytelling unlike other crafts is all you need to be a storyteller is to live something worth talking about okay um you know, you and that's all it takes. If yeah. something compelling has happened to you, then you have that content. And uh, some people are better at being orators than others. Uh, but with storytelling, it's the story itself that yeah. really, uh, you know, drives the boat. So that's my very long-winded way of saying, <laughs> yes, anybody can be a storyteller. I love that dramatic pause. There was a pause? Right there, you just, it was like a moment of silence, and then that was my very long. I don't think it was long winded at all. Oh, okay. I think you're very. I think you're a very eloquent person, right? And I think that's part of what makes you a good storyteller is you can get up in front of people and you can communicate ideas. But like I said before, you do it in a humorous way that makes people laugh. But you're not like you're not doing it like ha 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 like some people like. And I think that's the secret. Some people are trying to be funny mm-hmm. and they're like saying it like a punchline and you're just like saying it if that makes sense like yeah. you're not saying it like a joke you're just saying it and therefore it's funny but it is you are does that make sense am i or totally off base no, with that no it makes sense because it's like that rhythm thing you were talking about mm-hmm. like that gets kind of old after a while you know when you i love stand-up comedy but my favorite people that do stand up are the people like that, that they have a story or they're, they're telling you about themselves. It's not just like, I'm going to tell you a bunch of jokes and I'm going to be so funny because that's completely different than taking someone on a journey. And again, Mm -hmm. letting them get to know who you are. And even if it's made up, (laughs) none of this was made up by the way, (laughs) not in storytelling, reliability of the narrator. Let the truth be your guide. Authenticity. You have said that you're right. So what's next for Beowulf besides the besides the storytelling classes at a million drops and the upcoming storytelling events? What do you want to do? Well, most immediately, um, I'm meeting a friend tonight for a sandwich. So I'm looking forward to that. I don't know what kind of sandwich yet, but uh, so there's a little bit of suspense, but I'm sure it'll be pleasant. Um, the next thing I guess I'm uh, looking forward to... Um, my friend uh, Josh and I, we just recently completed a, uh, the first season of an eight-episode web series called Storylines, which combines um, live-action storytelling uh, with brightly colored uh, hand-drawn animation. Okay. And so um, there's eight different storytellers, and we've shot all the stories, and the animate everything's edited. Um, the animation is about halfway done, so we're looking to release that. Um, Josh probably doesn't want me putting a date on it, but I'm hoping in the next month and a half to two months. Yeah, I'm really okay. excited by and what I've seen. What's it called so again? It's called Storylines. Okay, cool. And so that's cool. That's exciting. So it's kind of like a. It's kind of like a multi-dimensional experience, it sounds like. Kind of like, remember in Mary Poppins when they went to the cartoon world? Yes. It'll be kind of like that, but not as Mary Poppins-ish. Not as Disney-fied? Yeah, no, I mean, not that I have a problem with Disney-fied. <laughs> I just don't have Disney resources. <laughs> you just don't have Disney resources. Or, it, or Disney trademarks and copyrights. <laughs> right. I mean, if Disney wants to work with me on this, I'm, so, I'm willing to have that conversation. So, so Disney as well. I mean, since we are about social networking, mm-hmm. Disney, if you'd like to work with Beowulf, he's here. 
Um, who do I even talk to about that? Bob Iger? Is, is that who? <laughs> Michael Eisner's out now, isn't he? I think he was. I have big... no idea. I didn't even know that Disney was still a thing. But Oh, they're doing very well. Yeah. They are. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, again, I'm not really like, I don't, I haven't owned a TV since 2008. And I don't really, the last movie I went to a, was a documentary about people that were working on helping people who were unhoused get into housing. Um, and then before that was the Pete's Dragon remake and i was so disappointed that it was not a musical oh yeah i I didn't even bother with the pete's dragon remake oh i went because i thought it was a musical and it came out right around my birthday and i was so excited and i was like mom i want to go see that and so we went i was like we went in and i was like what do you mean it's not it's not a musical i was really (laughs) upset i was really unhappy because i was expecting a musical for my birthday what did they give you the gritty reboot i don't like reboots i don't think anything should be rebooted I think if you want to cover something, cover something, but don't reboot it. You, don't don't mess with perfection. It's like if they re- if they reboot a General Hospital, would it be good? Um, well, you're very correct in saying General Hospital is perfect, and so <laughs> there's there's no room for improvement upon perfection. Absolutely not. And General Hospital, if you're listening, Beowulf would love to come back. Yeah, my friend's mom doesn't work there anymore, General Hospital, so I'm kind of stranded. So he's kind of stranded, and he'd love to come back. And he's obviously very, very talented. He can do a lot of things. And I got along well with the cast members. <laughs> Mo, who plays Sonny, he was very, very nice. I'm, I'm sure he's dying to have me back on the show. I love it. You are really, really funny. As we close out this podcast, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with? Doesn't have to even be about storytelling. Yes. Um, this is another one of those dramatic pauses that you were talking about. Silence is good. Um, support local theater. Oh, yes. Support local theater. Yes. Do you have anything? I do. There's this show called Turtle, and I hear such <laughs> great things about it, and I just really want to get the word out yeah. that it's the first Friday of every March at the Ruby here in Hollywoodland, Los Angeles, California. The first Friday of every month at the Ruby on Sunset, right? On Sunset. Do you know what the address is off the top of your head? I do. It's 7518 Sunset. 7518 Sunset. So check out the turtle. It's super, super, super funny. And it's the building that's literally next door to the building that used to be Nerd Melt. Well, there you go. I didn't know that. And there's a little like diamond is their logo right or something yeah it's a, like a ruby it's a ruby oh that's right how oh, that's why it's called the ruby i'm i'm a little slow i'm really intelligent but i'm a little slow with like connecting things like that sure me too <laughs> thank you beowulf thank so you much for, for being me. here yes absolutely this has been wonderful i'm really looking forward to taking your class i'm looking forward to having you there yeah uh thank you to a million drops for thanks a million drops the great uh recording equipment and thank you so much to DJ Cynthia, cherish the love. We really appreciate it. And thanks to Sure Microphones for the impeccable sound quality. Check us out at amilliondrops.org. Have a great day. Bye. This little light of mine.